This audio recording was captured from an online gathering of Winchester Baptist Church. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. God's message for us today from the book of Isaiah is directed to those who are weary. I personally believe, as Tim had mentioned earlier, that this could not have come at a better time because there is so much weariness out there today. There's weariness as we enter year three of this dreaded virus that seems to be waging a last stand. There's weariness from sickness in general, as it appears that COVID has inspired the flu and colds and everything else to attack us with vigor. There's weariness from deaths, illness, chronic sicknesses, that have touched seemingly every family in this congregation. And there is weariness from a political divide and the constant conflict that surrounds every issue of importance in our nation today. There's also weariness associated with it being the dead of winter, where it's cold and dreary and bleak. And then there's the weariness of life as we raise our families, work our jobs, and just manage our lives in general. And to be perfectly honest with you this morning, I have felt this weariness fairly intensely this past week. It was not an easy week, and this next week looks to be about the same. So personally, I praise God for his message this morning, because it is a message for the weary. But it's also a message that, to me, at least, is a little surprising. It's surprising because God directs us to perhaps an unexpected solution for our weariness, and that is obedience to his word. So if you haven't yet, please open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 50. As I mentioned, our text begins at verse 4. Now the first five verses, verses 4 through 9, comprise the third of four servant songs in Isaiah. We've already looked at two of these songs in our study of Isaiah. The first was in chapter 42, and the second was in chapter 49. The fourth and most famous will be in chapters 52 to 53. And although I'm sure you can all remember verbatim the sermons on chapters 42 and 49, as a reminder, the servant songs describe the servant of the Lord and his ministry in bringing justice, redemption, and ultimately salvation for God's people. And with each of these servant songs, we gain a clearer picture of the servant through common themes that are emphasized, such as God's specific choosing and anointing of the servant, the servant's obedience through suffering, and the Lord's ultimate vindication of the servant. A spoiler alert, we know that the servant is ultimately Jesus the Christ. So knowing that, look again at verse 4. Let me just read it again real quick. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. This is Jesus talking to you. You who are weary, Jesus' words can sustain you, and he invites you to hear them this morning. In the following verses, There are three characteristics 
of Jesus, the servant, that are important to understand because they prove to us why we should listen to and obey the word of God. And they demonstrate for us what that looks like. The first characteristic of the servant, he was given understanding of God's word by God. Verses four and five. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, and I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear. Notice where this understanding comes from. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. Morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The message from this servant to God's people came directly from God. Is that not what Jesus said when he came to this earth? John 8, verse 28, Jesus says, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. But more than that, we know that Jesus himself is the Word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The words of Jesus and the words written about Jesus in this inspired book are more than just a historical account. They are more than just a moral code to live by, and they are more than just a source of theological principles and doctrine. They are the words of God himself. Thus, they have the authority of God and should be honored as such by all who fear God. And that leads us directly to the second characteristic of this servant. He was obedient to the word of God, though he suffered. Read with me verses five through six. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turn not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. We know Jesus had all of those very things happen to him before he was crucified. And yet he remained obedient. If we truly believe that the words of God are in fact God's words, then suffering will not prevent us from following them. That's the way Jesus lived his life. And because he did, we have salvation from our sins. He was obedient to God's word. The third characteristic is that he was sustained and vindicated by God. Read verses seven through nine. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near, who will contend with me. Let us stand up together. It was my adversary. Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. First thing to note is the overlap of these three characteristics. The understanding <laughs> God provided in verse 4 led directly to the obedience in verse 5. And that obedience we see here is tied also to the sustaining and vindicating power of God. Verse 7, he says, the Lord helps me. And because of that, the servant Jesus 
can set his face like a flint. We also see in verse 8 that he who vindicates me is near. And in verse 9, behold, the Lord God helps me. Jesus, the servant, did not cease to be a member of the Trinity when he came to earth. No, rather, it was through the strength that he drew from being connected to the Father that sustained him while he was here and led to his flint-like obedience. And that strength was strong, that led to obedience, but also to vindication. And the servant says something interesting in verses 7, 8, and 9. He says in 7, I know that I shall not be put to shame. And then in 8, who will contend with me? And who is my adversary? And then in verse 9, who will declare me guilty? It's interesting because he clearly has adversaries that are inflicting suffering upon him who are seeking to shame him and declare him guilty. And we see the adversary did that to Jesus while he was on this earth. But what ultimately happened? Well, Philippians 2 tells us that because of Jesus' obedience, that is not where it ended. He was not shamed, but rather God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So who won? God's strength is more than enough to sustain and vindicate. So that's the servant's song. And the rest of the passage this morning, the rest of this chapter and, and the first eight verses of the next chapter, call or there, there issues. There are four calls to those who seek the Lord to be obedient to God's word. And what I love about these four calls is that they give us a comprehensive picture of what obedience looks like. Because the natural way that we humans approach obedience is in a very pharisaical or or rigid way. We make obedience to God's words simply a set of rules to follow, which devolves them from the life-giving blessing they truly are to an impossible burden. And an impossible burden is the last thing that those who are weary want or need. But in these four calls, we will see that God's word is the only true and sustaining power for those who are weary, and obedience to that is paramount. Jesus was resolute and set his face face like a flint towards obedience, and he calls us to do the same. So let's briefly look at these four calls from the servant. Call number one is verses 10 and 11 of chapter 50. And there, the servant calls the weary to walk in the light of God's word. To walk in the light of God's word. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire and equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. This first call harkens directly back to the message that the servant of the Lord is giving in verse 4. Will we obey his voice? Will we listen to that message? So often in our weariness, it feels as if we're just stumbling in the dark. We can't think or see clearly. 
And it is also in these times of weariness where it's tempting to light our own torches, create our own light, and try to figure out the way on our own. You know, maybe compromise isn't so bad because God will understand giving our situation. But really, it's the opposite. When we cannot see the path and when it is tempting to take the path of least resistance, obedience is key and that will be our guide. It's to trust in the valley of the shadow of death that will keep us from succumbing to the dark. The light of God's word. The second call for the weary is to look to the life of God's word. And we find that in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving in the voice of song. Here, the servant calls us to look back to our spiritual lineage. Abraham and Sarah, whom God created a nation out of, And he calls us to look back because he sees that God's word brings life. It brought the literal life of Isaiah, or sorry, it brought the literal life of Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. But it also brought more. We read in James 2.23 that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham, or so, so the belief and obedience to God's word brought about the life of Isaac, but also the righteousness of Abraham. But remember here, belief is more than just mental assent. It's the way you live your life. Abraham lived his life in accordance with the word and promises of God. When we are weary, it can feel as if we are in a wilderness or a desert. But as we obey and live God's word, he will bring joy and gladness, thanksgiving and song. God's word brings life to the weary. The third call of the servant is for the weary to trust in the righteousness and salvation of God's word. And this is found in verses four through six of chapter 51. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me. And I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. And they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But. My salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. The world's problem is sin, and it is this sin that leads to the weariness and causes the injustices around us and to us. And it is, it, and it is this sin that will ultimately convict us personally before the holy God. But 
servant reminds us of several things. One is that God's righteousness is near to us. In fact, Jesus, the servant, the word, has imputed his righteousness to us, to those who follow him. And we know that this righteousness leads to salvation and is forever. See, God will judge this world and everyone in it. And he will make every wrong right and every sin will be atoned for. And for those who have not heeded God's words and accepted his righteousness and salvation, they will vanish like smoke. So in your weariness, look forward to the day when all will be made right. And thank God for already taking care of your biggest problem, sin. Trust in the righteousness and salvation of God's word. Finally, the fourth call. The servant calls the weary to live in the victory of God's word. Verses 7 and 8. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at the revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. The world is most certainly against us, and that can bring a level of weariness that is constant. But for those whose heart is in God's law and know the righteousness that we just talked about, There's no need to fear, because we know that we win in the end. Though we are ridiculed, reviled, persecuted, and even put to death, in the end, our righteousness is forever. Now, I said before that that the three characteristics of the servant that we looked at in the servant's song, that is, that the servant was given understanding of God's word by God, that he was obedient even though he suffered, and that he was sustained and vindicated by God. Those three characteristics both show us why and how we should heed the word of the Lord. Through his life and his words, Jesus showed us and gave us the light of God's word, the life of God's word, the righteousness and salvation of God's word, and the victory of God's word. You know, I can't help but think that the author of Hebrews had this portion of Isaiah in his mind when he wrote in chapter 12, and with these verses I'd like to close. He wrote, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for these words of Isaiah that bring life, Lord, to us who are weary. Lord, it's that time of year. It's the season of life. And Lord, it's just what many of us are feeling right now. But Lord, we thank you that you are greater than our weariness. Lord, we thank you that you have come specifically for weary people like us. And Lord, that you do not leave us alone in that. But Lord, that you walk through it, through it with us. Father, I pray that as we are weary, or that you would remind us to continually be obedient to your word, that we might also set our face like a flint, as Jesus did. And Lord, that as we do that, we would experience the light that you bring, Lord, the life that you bring, Lord, that we would revel in the righteousness and salvation that are ours eternally. And Lord, ultimately, rest in the victory that you have already won. Be with each of us, I pray, as we go out today, live our lives, live this week. And Lord, may your strength sustain us as it did the servant. In Jesus' name, be servant, that we pray. Amen.